Welcome to Herbal Explorations, a podcast hosted by Wilson Lau of New Herbs. Each week, we speak to leading experts about what's happening in the herbal industry. How can practitioners best help their patients understand the use of adaptogens? You know, we talked about a lot of times people start understanding, oh, I read about this latest thing or this is adaptogen and they go to their practitioner and say, hey, I want to get, you know, get into this thing and start this adaptogen regimen. What would you say, like, how can practitioners sort of help people understand whether adaptogens are for them or, you know, which ones they should be taking. Like, okay. you know, so I'm going to start off by telling you a, an actual story from my clinical practice. Um, so I had, I had a, a client, many patient, many years ago, and he was telling me the story. He had been to the doctor and he had to take his little son with him. And they're leaving the doctor's office and his little son grabs his pant leg and tugs and says, Daddy, Daddy, we forgot to ask the doctor something. He said, what? What did we forget to ask the doctor? He said, we forgot to ask the doctor if Cialis is right for you. <laughs> so the point is, is the adaptogen right for you? <laughs> so does it make sense for that person? So somebody who we were talking about, like with rhodiola, who's easily overstimulated or has yin deficiency is most certainly not appropriate for that person. One of the sort of broad parameters that I would say is like, for instance, I think of, and I'm going to give you sort of my my um, ginseng and, 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 and ginseng-like plant kind of um, uh, schedule. So right. like for Eleuthero, I think of Eleuthero being most appropriate for people who are 15 to 35 years old. They have all their vital energy. Uh, they're strong. They're well, except they're undergoing some, you know, persistent stress. Mm. You may be in the house. Uh, you just got, you just passed the bar and you got hired by a law company and they expect you to work 70 hours a week. Uh, you're in college and you're, you know, you're pulling all nighters for finals. Uh, you're an athlete and you're, you know, you're running marathons. There is a significant amount of physiological or psychological stress in your, in your life. And you need something to help you deal with that. Eleuthero works perfectly well there. Would I give Eleuthero to a 70 year old? Unlikely. So then we have American ginseng. American ginseng is the least stimulating and probably the least powerful of the three Panax species. And by the way, there is also a Vietnamese ginseng and there is is a Japanese ginseng, and the evidence suggests that both of them are also adaptogenic, except they're just not commercially available in any kind of, you know, um, well, they're just not commercially available as far as I'm aware. Or is, yeah. So American ginseng is moistening. It is deeply nourishing. It is not particularly stimulating. And unlike uh, white Asian ginseng, which is warm, and red Asian ginseng, which is actually hot, Mm -hmm. American ginseng is, people say it's cooler, so people think it's cold. It's not. It's neutral to slightly warm. Mm -hmm. So I think of American ginseng as being most appropriate, again, for people who are maybe 40 to 60. They're basically in good health, but they've started noticing that jet lag is harder to deal with. They're more sensitive to temperature. They're more sensitive if they get a poor night's sleep. They're starting to notice some of those first signs that happen as you get older you know, where you just don't quite have the, you know, the energy reserves, the chi, the jing that you had when you were younger. White ginseng I primarily use for, and, and there are exceptions to all this. So if I have somebody who's 24 years old and is cold all the time and depleted and deficient and doesn't, you know, has what I would call deficient insomnia, they don't have the energy to sleep, I might be giving them red ginseng. So don't assume that these are hard and fast categories. 
But Asian white ginseng, I tend to use people for people who are more like 50 to 70. They've definitely started to lose some of that vital energy. They may have started to have uh, some cardio, mild cardiac issues, uh, fatigue, tiredness, uh, impaired sleep quality, um, things like that. And then the red ginseng, I tend to use for people who are 70 and older. But again, I could use it for somebody who's 24 if they fit the pattern. They're cold. Um, they may have things like, um, um, mild congestive heart failure, deficient insomnia. Um, these are people that really need something that is deeply nourishing, deeply stimulating. Um, and you know, the thing about like insomnia, you have somebody with excess insomnia, you give them red ginseng and they're up all night. You have mm -hmm. somebody with deficiency insomnia and you give them red ginseng and they sleep wonderfully mm -hmm. because it gives them that deep energy so that they can sleep and go into Delta sleep where the body heals. And so that is just a really broad little outline, but it gives you a sense of there is a sort of a time and place, you know, and you're really looking at the person. Age is actually a secondary thing. You're really looking at the person. How deficient are they? How depleted are they? If we look at another adaptogenic herb, for instance, something like Raponticum, um, you know, Raponticum is probably the most anabolic of all of the adaptogens. And so builds muscle mass. So if you have somebody who's elderly with muscle wasting, or you have somebody who's younger, but is doing things, you know, that require a tremendous amount of physical activity, again, athletes, uh, marathoners, uh, somebody who's working a job that is just, you know, a minor or whatever. Yeah. And that may will probably would be more appropriate for them. The biggest problem with Raponticum is it's really hard to get decent quality Raponticum. There is mm -hmm. some stuff coming out of Canada that I've seen that is actually pretty nice. Um, but most of the Raponticum comes out of Russia. And at the moment, uh, I think most of us are probably not wanting to buy <laughs> anything. Coming out yeah, of exactly. So it, you're really looking at each adaptogen and if it makes sense for you. And one of the, again, I guess third reason I wrote the book is I tried to give really nice uh, sort of monographs on each adaptogen so that we could paint a picture so people could get a sense of, okay, this is really where this herb shines. Really what, you know, so you, you see that kind of what I would call the personality of the plant. And it's the energetics. Yes, it's also the chemistry. It's the primary uses, the secondary uses. What is it doing? How is it doing it? And then you look at the person and you say, does it make sense for the person? Not the name of the disease. Because you can have five people all diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. They're not five rheumatoid arthritis. So just like in TCM or Ayurveda, they're not going to get the same treatment. Well, any good herbalist, if they, you know, if they're treating diseases, your level of efficacy is going to be poor because it is, you know, Hippocrates said more than 2000 years ago, and he was right then, and it's correct now. It's more important to know the person that has the disease than the disease the person has. It's absolutely true. You treat the person, not the problem. Right. So last question of the day. Thank you for such a enlightening discussion and uh, overview of adaptogens. Um, in recent years, you know, even before the pandemic, but especially during the pandemic, there's been this explosion in adaptogens. What do you think accounts for that? Well, I would say <laughs> there are several factors. Number one, this last two and a half year period has, I think, for many people, been one of the most stressful periods of their entire life. None of us have dealt with, you know, unless somebody was alive, and if they were alive, they were probably really young, they're still alive. 
the 1918 flu epidemic, um, we really haven't dealt with anything. We've had some smaller scale epidemics and we've had some um, uh, diseases that have affected specific countries or populations, but nothing quite like this. And so it's been incredibly stressful. And while probably a good 15 or so percent of the population in normal times is anxious and depressed, that number pretty much doubled during COVID. And and I don't know about where you are in uh, in California, but in here, I have good news. The pandemic is over, or at least the people around here are acting like it is over. Unfortunately, it is not. Nobody is like wearing, virtually nobody wears masks. Nobody is taking like any precautions whatsoever, um, unfortunately. And people said, a lot of people have just kind of gone back to their normal lives. But for a good part of that two-year period, people, there was just a tremendous amount of stress. And um, so that that's one reason that people are looking for adaptogens and other herbs like your nervines, things like fresh oat and skulk, American skullcap and chamomile and lemon balm and lavender and things like that um people are looking for those kinds of things because they are wound tight at the moment plus of course with the pandemic you had not only the fear of getting this, the you know covid but there's you know addition uh, issues uh, economic issues lots of people lost jobs at least initially and um, uh, then, of course, there's the constant fear, if, if you think that way, about the possibility of getting COVID. I, uh, I will tell you, clinically, I have treated in the past four or five months, I've treated at least six people who got mild COVID, who had minor symptoms and now have severe long COVID. So the fact, the fact that somebody had a mild case of COVID is not a guarantee that everything is going to be okay. <laughs> And so there, there is certainly, there is certainly that we live in a crazy, complicated world. Um, and so just speaking about the U.S. and, you know, so not talking about other parts of the world, but, you know, we live in a culture that is deeply divided, um, where anybody who thinks differently from you now is the, is not just somebody with a different opinion. They're now the enemy. They're on the other side. They're on the other team. Um, yeah. You know, successful countries need to find a way to realize that, you know, we're sort of all in the same boat together and we don't need to all think the same. We don't need to all believe the same, but we need to have respect for one another and try to find some kind of common ground. But that has kind of disappeared. And so politically, economically, you know, they're talking about possible recession, you know, on so many levels, we are dealing in an incredibly stressful time. And of course, the then there is the whole advertising kind of thing, which then goes into what we talked about earlier about people calling things adaptogens that aren't adaptogens or sticking adaptogens and things that make no sense for an adaptogen. You don't need adaptogens in your cereal. You don't need adaptogens in your soda. Um, the amount that they're going to put in there is probably close to homeopathic, so it's unlikely to be of any benefit anyway. The point is, is that they are wonderful remedies for people who are experiencing chronic stress or sort of long-term acute stress. And so that's one of the reasons I think that adaptogens have gotten such an incredible push over the last several years. Plus, more and more people are utilizing the term, whether correctly or not. And so there's greater consumer awareness 
uh, that there is this category of substance because a lot of people wouldn't even necessarily know that they're necessarily herbs. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's people out there talking about like adaptogenic vitamins and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Although I will tell you, there is actually some very early preliminary evidence that suggests there may actually be a supplement that is adaptogenic and that's melatonin, which is really interesting. Um, uh, but that's, it's not, don't, don't say, oh, he said it is. I'm not saying it is. I said some very early preliminary evidence suggesting maybe, but for the most part, we're talking about plant, you know, plant medicines. We're talking about herbs. And, um, so I think for all of those reasons, adaptogens have found their way into the marketplace and everybody thinks they need an adaptogen, which again, not everyone does. Um, you know, if you're really anxious, yes, there are calming adaptogens like ashwagandha or cordyceps. Um, which are calming adaptogens. Uh, Shizandra is a calming adaptogen. Although every, maybe two or one or two people out of a hundred will take a Shizandra and get stimulated by it. But for most people, it's actually a, a gentle calming agent. Uh, wonderful for that. So those, there are some calming adaptogens. But then again, we have these other categories of herbs like the nervines, or if we're in the UK, nervines, um, which are really appropriate for dealing with anxiety or our anxiolytics like bacopa, uh, swanzao run, zisophis uh, seed, uh, gotang, uh, gambir. Uh, we have things like um, um, lavender and rosemary and holy basil, which are phenomenal anxiolytics. And so, again, the more you can treat the person, not just the disease, and the more you look at this herb or combination of herbs and match it to the person, the more clinically successful you are going to be every single time. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to know the energetics if somebody has a wart and you're treating a topic with the <laughs> Just, you know, if you have a good wart remedy, stick it on there. But for most conditions, and again, things like poison ivy, I don't know the energetics. A wart, I don't need to know the energetics. But if you are dealing with chronic stress, if you are dealing with autoimmune disease, cardiovascular disease, if you are dealing with chronic skin problems, arthritis, etc., there is no arthritis herb. There is no depression herb. So people hear these little sound bites of information. So St. John's wort has become the depression herb. Mm-hmm. And salt palmetto is the prostate herb. And um, black cohosh is the menopause herb. There's only mm-hmm. one problem with each one of those statements that I just gave you. They're wrong, wrong, and wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, so St. John's wort, you know, from as an herb, from an herbalist perspective, um, I sort of categorize depression under 14 different subtypes of depression. And in TCM, you have the same kind of thing where you're looking at the underlying cause. Is it, you know, liver chi stagnation? What is what is the cause of the depression? Treating depression, if you just, you know, whether you're using uh, Prozac or St. John's wort, at best, it's going to be about 40% effective unless you treat the person who is depressed. So St. John's wort works for three of the more than 14 types of depression. Yeah. Black cohosh, you know, has some benefit for menopausal symptomology, but it's a simple. Most women are going to be underwhelmed. And, you know, they say, you ever try curbs? Oh, yeah, I tried black cohosh. It didn't really help very much. Because, again, you're trying to treat a symptom with a simple, with a single herb. And the same thing is true with salt palmetto. With, you know, salt palmetto is useful in a formula for a benign prostatic hyperplasia. But by itself, it is underwhelmed. And so what happens with that kind of those little sound bites of information 
is people try herbs based on that, and they're almost more than often, they are disappointed. They think, yeah, I tried herbs. They don't work. That's not herbal medicine. That's allopathic use of herbs or more or less herbal marketing. Yes, it is actually, you know, a lot of it is because there's this marketing perception of what it should do and it should do it under certain conditions and you fit that pattern and the person has to be very specific into that, into there. Um, so I think that's amazing. I got two closing comments. One is, Sazandra is very calming unless you t- take it and uh, chew it. And I, don't, I do a lot and uh, the five flavors really... Um, We'll give your system a nice little temporary shock and <laughs> then relax you. But uh, chewing it really makes it um, fun. I, I like, I just love how that herb tastes, although uh, it's not for everyone uh, to chew. <laughs> and uh, I think you're right. Adaptogens are the herb category herbs for these stressful times. And I think it's just so much stress in the world out there that it's a great category to span and explore and see what you need um, and how it can help the people people that specific people with specific issues so i love it thank you so much for your time and your knowledge really appreciate it um and thank you for writing the book and i recommend anyone that is really wants to do a deep dive to get the newest edition the updated and expanded edition there's so much information in there it's so well written and um thank you for your time david thank you very much it's been a pleasure to speak with you today Thanks for listening. To learn more about the business of herbs and botanicals, visit newherbs.com. To keep listening to great episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, or Spotify, and make sure to give us a rating too.